This episode is brought to you by our great sponsors. BoldGrid works as a suite of plugins designed to help you create WordPress websites faster and easier than ever. BoldGrid will improve your workflow by providing direct access to free themes, page templates, photography, design elements, forms, galleries, and much more right from your dashboard. And the BoldGrid page builder allows you to easily drag and drop and edit this content as you see fit, all without having to use shortcodes. To learn more, head over to buildpodcast.net slash boldgrid. That's buildpodcast.net slash B-O-L-D-G-R-I-D. Level 11 Art Department is a brand management team with an affinity for local, small, and independent business. When you're ready to market your latest build, Level 11 can work with you to develop key components such as logos, social media assets, and eye-catching advertisements. They do quality, custom design work, and you'll get all the digital files you need for print and web. See their portfolio and contact them at their website, getlevel11.com. That's getlevel and the number 11.com. How I Built It listeners can save 10% on their first job by mentioning this ad. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Michael Saka, is that right? That is right. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Uh, I'm especially excited because most of my guests are in the WordPress world. And but I am trying to branch out, so I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you. So you are the uh, CEO, founder of Crew, is that right? No, no, no. Sorry, uh, president, president of okay. of Crew, uh, Mikel Cho. Okay, very similar name. Yes. If you say it fast, um, <laughs> he's the founding CEO of Crew, and he founded Crew and Unsplash. Gotcha. Okay. And so now, because Unsplash is growing so fast. He has moved over to focus on that full time, and I've stepped up to be the president of Crew. Oh, fantastic. So today we're going to talk about Crew. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and what Crew does? Yeah, so Crew is a vetted network of designers and developers. And as projects come through, we help to match them. We help to build trust in that freelance economy. So whether you have a project or whether you're a freelancer looking for work, we can help you. So it's it's a marketplace for that uh, kind of talent. And then myself, I built an agency out of San Diego for five years. And that's really where I learned about the freelance economy, learned about contracting, freelancing, and a lot of the problems that come up and just exist generally in the industry. And that's really why I was so passionate about joining the crew team to help solve this problem. And, uh, and yeah, so I also host uh, Rocketship FM, which is a podcast for for entrepreneurs, and I've been doing that on the side for about three years. So we can we can talk a bit about you know managing side projects too that way. Yeah, yeah, that would act that would be great. So the idea for Crew, so Crew existed before you you joined it. Is that right? I was the fourteenth employee. Fourteenth yeah. employee. Okay. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, you know what it's like kind of joining a, a, a startup like this? Because I think that yeah. that would be a great perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. So so I was the fourteenth employee in a, a remote team. Okay. And we so when I came on, I came on to do our partnerships and sales. And so even at fourteen, 
there's not a whole lot of organization and process around. So most of the time, there were four founders. And when you get hired, you're basically picking off one of the jobs that they used to do right. in a 20th of their time, right? <laughs> so, so it's all in their head, which is, is just it's normal, right? So, and you come in and you start to put your own process together and you start to learn from them what worked. And so we had one referral partner, one big referral partner, and I came in to grow that. So when you come in, I, it was great because I got to kind of build my own job in a way. Nice. You know, so like it was partnerships, it was sales, and it was up to me to decide what to work on that would have the biggest impact, right? So I, I did a mix of long-term and short-term partnerships as well as eventually just direct sales because we found that that worked really well. And then I started to hire people under me to to pick off those pieces that I had been doing. It's just a constant cycle, right? So yeah, at 14, it was great. At, at 35, we grew to pretty quickly because we raised our Series A. And that's a whole nother beast, right? Yeah, so like yeah. as companies grow, it's really hard to stay on top of disseminating information, keeping everyone up to date, keeping everyone inspired about what you're doing, you know? At four people in a room, it's, it's, it's pretty easy, you know? You're all really passionate, or even if you're just one or two, right? You're passionate, you work hard, you get it done. When you're 35, you have to, you have to instill that same level of passion into each person that comes on board, and you just have a lot less time to do it. So I think that's a huge challenge challenge for for growing companies. Yeah, absolutely. So the company more than doubled since you joined and and you kind of it's that's really cool you get to build your own job and then <laughs> yeah. and then you hire employees. What kind of research did you do when kind of shaping essentially shaping your job description, right? Like like what yeah. went into that? It was a lot of market research. Okay. So and I think it's the same that I did when I would build a startup or a business myself, right? At the agency, it was, the, it was the same type mentality where I'd go out and just talk to who our current customers are. What were we doing well? What could we be doing better? What are other areas that we could be satisfying that we're not currently, but maybe they're hiring someone else to do, and maybe we can bring that relationship over to us? And then how do we, building personas, and how do we find more? So we had one agency that was sending us leads there were five or 600 other agencies that looked just like them, right? you know? And, and so could I go out and build and build those relationships? And what I tend to do is when I get stuck, when I don't know what to do, I get out and, and talk to people. I either try to sell or I try to do market research. And that generally gets me out of my, my funk of, cause it, you know, that's, it's what we're doing, right? We, we build these online businesses, everything's automated, but the truth is we're solving problems for people. And that's where I find uh, when I get stuck is when I get out and talk to people, I get inspired again. So that's, that's awesome. So aside from uh, your responsibilities at crew, there are two things I'd like to mention, because I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the listeners are probably in a very similar position to me. I have a full-time job. I work on side projects. So yeah. There are two side projects that I'd like to mention. The first is, is your podcast, Rocket Ship FM. Did I? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then a side project that was part of Crew, which was Unsplash. Yeah. So maybe we could talk about first, how do you balance your time with Rocket Ship, Ship FM? And what did Unsplash do for Crew? Yeah. So, so for Rocket Ship, Rocket Ship, uh, I've been doing for about three years. And we started it to learn. 
because we didn't know what the heck we were doing and we were trying to build build uh, companies. And so we started just to talk to people because we could get on the phone. I, I think a lot of podcasters have a similar experience where you're you're really seeking people out that can give you advice on what's going on with you right now. But the joy is you get to share that with a lot of people and they'll actually pick up your phone call, right? <laughs> and And so that's why we started it and we were only going to do it for a couple months. But it kind of picked up. We, we found an audience, and so we kept going, and now it's been about three years. I work on that now about three to four hours a week, and I, I find time at night to do it. So I have two kids and a wife, and so after the kids go to bed, you know, after we have dinner and, you know, ha- spend time with, with my wife, uh, 11 o'clock at night, I'll sometimes start yeah. doing that editing process. And so for me, that's, uh, that's generally how, how it works a couple nights a week, but I love it. So you keep doing it and it does generate revenue, which is always a nice kind of side benefit, right? Yeah. So yeah, so, but it's tough. I mean, finding the discipline, I think it's all about finding consistency, especially with side projects and, and not trying to do too much at once, right? Because that's when you get burned out. When you, right. when you do too many of those 6 a.m. nights when you got to get to work at 9 and um, and you're, you're losing focus at work and then you're burnt out for a couple of days, I think having realistic expectations of how fast you can move is really important and being very disciplined with finding a schedule yeah, and keeping definitely. to it. I find schedules are great for me. Like if I know that Monday and Wednesday I mix down my podcast, Cool. Like, I don't miss those days, and I don't plan, and I don't make excuses. Yeah, absolutely. And and so before we move on to Unsplash, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of great advice in there, especially because by the time this show comes out, I will be a new father. My wife is expecting in March. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. So um, I think it's very easy for freelancers, solo people, side project people to get distracted by all the shiny ideas that they have. Uh, yeah. I know I'm certainly guilty of it. So... Finding a schedule and 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 really focusing is, is just great general advice if if you are doing your own thing out there and and so that's really great to hear. So, Unsplash was a side project of Crew, yeah. And I hear I've read that it's been instrumental in helping Crew succeed. Yeah, it basically saved the company. Wow. So you know, we we needed to find more people who needed more projects. And it was really early. So it was still just the four founders, uh, Mikel, Steph, Luke, and Angus. And they they knew that they were solving a problem with Crew, but the growth wasn't fast enough. And, and they were in a, in a local incubator here. And, and so the expectation was that you do find a market and you're able to prove it. Mm-hmm. And Unsplash came out of the need to drive more traffic to Crew. And the idea is splash being splash images on a website, crew being someone who builds websites. Can we build? Can we give people these free images so that they don't have to worry about paying for stock photography? And Mikel put up the landing page with had like ten photos that they had taken at a photo shoot recently. They were like the B sides of a photo shoot mm-hmm. and a sign up form. And they woke up and there was like ten thousand people had downloaded. Yeah, like it it had gotten posted. I don't know if it was Product Hunt back then, but it got posted somewhere and it caught traction and it didn't stop. Like it wasn't like 10,000 people and then everyone forgot. 10 days later, he put out another 10 photos and people were now already sending in their photos Mm -hmm. that they wanted to be distributed on this. And, And 
Luke, who was one of the founders, I don't believe he ever built anything on crew he immediately just took on unsplash full-time gotcha and so it we knew it had it had legs at that point or they knew it had legs at that point and we just nurtured it for the last three years so he's always had a team a smaller team than crew working on unsplash full-time uh because because of that growth and because it was driving because it drove so much traffic crew naturally got traffic and so it made it easier in our sales process too, because we can go to agencies and say, hey, you know, Unsplash. And like, yes, I've used Unsplash. I've never heard of Crew. But, um, <laughs> and so we could use it in that way. And then the traffic that it would drive to Crew, it, it, it saved the, the business at that point in time, Man. which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're talking to an Unsplash user. I, you know, <laughs> I, I go to that well a lot. I've thought about submitting my own photos to it. But, you know, I've got like that, like imposter, like I'm not a photographer, but. I yeah, like taking yeah. pictures and the pictures there are beautiful. I've been using it for years. So uh, that's, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. that's awesome. Uh, so man, so there's, a, there's a couple of things. Uh, so first of all, I always like to ask who you talk to for business advice. I think we mm. touched on that a lot with your customers. So I, I would actually like to ask you like this kind of unscripted question uh, about pushing the limits of free, right? Because I, I had Troy Dean, from WP Elevation on the show, and he's kind of talked about that too. Unsplash is free, royalty-free images that helps grow. It's pretty extreme. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, yes, it's pretty extreme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just you don't see that anymore. I mean, you go to iStock Photo, and it's like a million dollars mm-hmm. to use this photo. Yeah, which is like like creepy, weird photos, right? Like these are <laughs> these are great. They're not even good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. So this free resource helped build your business. How did you or how did crew kind of, what did that funnel look like, I guess? Yeah. So for Unsplash, it was just, it was literally a link that said built by crew. Mm -hmm. And and it's the classic, like build the plugin for WordPress. And then for the free version, you include your link always on their site and that drives traffic to you. And that's really what worked for Unsplash. So it was enough because there was a volume. There's volume of users that, um, while not every user of Unsplash was a good fit for Crew, there was enough of a fraction of them that it worked. And they, they would come to Crew, they would start projects, and they would spend money with us. And it was enough to fund keeping Unsplash going, right? It was, it was worth it. And, I mean, we could talk a bit about the, the, I guess, like the business model of free, if you want, which is more like, because Unsplash is really more in that Instagram line. Right, right. Right. And now, so now we've broken off the companies and Unsplash needs to eventually bring in its own revenue. Right, um, right, cause, yeah. And so that's more in line with how do you monetize Instagram, right? And, yeah. and so how far can you push it and how do you fund that so that you can eventually get to that scale? And, and that's, that's really the goal there, right? But when you're just talking free, we also do, and it might be more interesting, is we also have these tools, how much to make, mm-hmm. which is howmuchtomake.com. And it's how much to make an app, how much to make a website, and how much to make a logo. And these are estimators. So there are many, there are many tools that we've created that help people estimate how much their project would cost. And at the end of it, the link is hire someone on crew. Yeah. And so that was a much more direct where like, the, the effort to get those, those up was pretty significant at the beginning, but it's a tool directly related to, to our market and to our customer. And then we gently push them into crew if they do have the need. And I think that's someone that anyone can do in, in an industry because content is really, 
it's saturated. It's hard to get the enough attention. So I think it's interesting to to think about what other value and how do you provide value to to your customers. Content's one way, but there there's there's a lot of different avenues depending on what you're doing that you can get the customer's attention. You build trust with them by providing them value, and then eventually you make the sale. It's basically a way of of automating the classic sales process, which is add value, add value, add value, sell. Awesome, and yeah, and and that's I think that's something that. I certainly have trouble finding the balance of, right? Because working in projects and you don't want to sell yourself short, but you want to offer that value and you want to find something shareable. And I think you've done that with the the kind of auxiliary free tools that you have for crew, right? And at this point, I do want, I, I want to get to the title question, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is how did you build it? So you're, it sounds like you're more focused on like the, uh, the sales aspect, but if we want to talk about tech or sales or or whatever you're most comfortable with, yeah. I mean, if we talk about, we could talk about Unsplash and, and how we built it, right? Yeah. The first version was literally a Tumblr blog and with, with uh, like a Wufu sign-up form. And Crew started much the same way. Crew was a Wufu sign-up form for both sides. So if you had a project, you filled out a web form. And if you wanted to work on projects, you filled out a web form. And for Unsplash, the the Tumblr blog just showed all of the images. And that was enough to get off the ground and get traction to know that, okay, this is an idea we should do without building a ton of infrastructure. Then we built the infrastructure and we used um, Ruby on Rails to to build the first basic site for Unsplash. Um, but, the, but before that, it was all tools that Mikkel the founding CEO, that he could set up without having uh, to do any technical work, just some some base level styling maybe, mm-hmm. and send out an email. And it was all things that he was very comfortable with. And then if it didn't work, he lost a couple hours. Right. You know? And it, so it wasn't a big deal. And we tried, these weren't the only two things that, that we tried, right? But these were the two that, that stuck. What's really tough is when you spend weeks or months trying to, to build this side project to your main business and then you put it out there and it just doesn't catch on you know and it wasn't the right thing so and that's what's really it's you have to be smart with your time your resources and even if you can build it doesn't mean you should right right just just find the the simplest way to get the the base version out there and if that version solves a core problem you've probably got something sticky yeah so that's all so that's uh your minimum viable product essentially used other tools, which is great because you didn't, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've been in the position where I sank hours into developing this plugin or some idea. And I was like, this is going to be yeah. great. And <laughs> then like when nobody came, right. Cause I always take like a very field of dreams approach. If I build it, they <laughs> when nobody came, I got discouraged, but yeah, uh, you know, this way it's, it's get a minimum viable product out using whatever tools are at your disposal. And you could always iterate, right? Yeah. So yeah, it could be just like a preview video for a plugin that's not built, right, right? Right. Like that will tell you whether people click on it if they want it, and and that's that's how we use our time is when we're working on you know if we have a full time job, our time is limited. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but we want to because we have a passion to to work on something else to to build something for ourselves, and. 
But the worst thing to do is get burnt out trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, cause there's a lot of talk about work-life balance and there's, um, you know, there's like strong opinions about, well, work and mm-hmm. life aren't different things. But I mean, <laughs> you know, if I'm prioritizing my time, my wife works nights. Oh, yeah, okay. she's a night shift nurse. And so when she's home, you know, I want to spend time yeah. with her. And and when my totally. daughter is born, you know, I'm I'm going to have to find balance to whatever two labels you want to put on those. So yeah, that's, I mean, we, we do have to spend our time wisely. So mm-hmm. from minimum viable product to the, the, the woofoo forms and Tumblr, yeah. how, how did the iteration process go? You said you built it on Ruby on rails. What was, what was scaling those products? Like, especially cause it seems like you saw basically overnight success with unsplash. Yeah. Unsplash was, I think it's fair to say hell <laughs> to scale <laughs> because, um, no one working on it had scaled something like that. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we have people, we have large files being downloaded. I mean, these images you can use on a billboard right, right. at times, right? So th- these are incredibly large images and they're, they're being downloaded millions of times a day. Um, so it was tough. It was, it was really tough. Luke learned, I, I think he, it would be fair to say he, he learned a ton through the process of, of building it. And so the initial versions were built on Ruby and then we hired some, some developers, you know, a couple, couple months in to also help. And now eventually it's now built on react. Okay. But I, I wish I could tell you more about like the nitty gritty of what they ran into. I just know that working on a product at that size was, was an incredible learning process for crew. We used cake PHP and built out kind of a fully custom system that could handle all the inbound projects. And that, like, we are now probably three years in, and we have, uh, you know, it's time to clean up that technical debt. Yeah. And and so I, I think a lot of engineers can can relate when you're trying to move fast. It's tough to balance the business side and the and the engineering side where you really do need to clean this stuff up, but you also can't afford to lose a couple of months. So that's kind of where we're at now. It's not the worst problem to have, though. No, man. so yeah, that's yeah, man, that's that's crazy. Well, I'm I'm excited to see like where that where that goes, how how both websites evolve. So so it was it was a slower build with with crew, is that right? Yeah, I, I it I think because we didn't have the necessity of scale mm-hmm. that Unsplash has, it was we were able to to take our time a little bit and experiment a little more. Yeah, um, where Unsplash, you know, they kind of had to get it right. Yeah, or yeah. the site would would just go down yeah yeah so absolutely man okay so so uh, we've talked about we have about 10 or so minutes left sure we've kind of talked about where the product was and and where it is now but what are your plans for the future and we can talk about uh crew or unsplash or both you know like let's do both let's do both yeah so for unsplash i think i mean the goal is just to keep growing yeah no major changes except for in the product, right? So still free photos, still just focusing on high quality. I think one of the big things for 2017 is starting to even diversify some of the the content that's on there and finding creators who may be taking like photos of people mm-hmm. or different sceneries and, and things that, you know, traditionally we have a lot of hikers yeah. and, and, and really beautiful imagery. And we'll continue to do that. But what else can we do? Like, where else can we expand to? And then for crew, we're working on automating the matching process. And so for anything under $10,000, can we just find you that match and, and uh, instantly kind of like an Uber yeah. situation, right? And 
and then growing our our network of freelancers. And so we're we're really focused on SEO. We're focused on SEM this year, and really just kind of getting down to the the nitty gritty of selling better better projects and and focused on the growth. Nice. So uh, so you want to grow freelancers? If uh, if there are freelancers listening. What do you recommend for them, you know, kind of signing up for crew, setting up, marketing themselves via crew? Yeah, no, absolutely. Go to crew.co and you'll find a link where you can start to fill out your profile. And then we vet all of our profiles usually within a week. And we let you know if you're in, if you're on the wait list or what you would need to improve to to kind of meet the standards. Um, But we try to be really transparent with it so that uh, you know what you need to do. And I, I know sometimes like people have waited on the wait list for a long time because we had a hundred thousand people wow. have signed up for the wait list up until this point, but we just rolled out some tools so we can get through it faster and, and really scale it. So yeah. So go to crew.co and, and sign up and, and we'll, we'll hopefully get you on. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is, so this is something again that I've had a problem with. And, and so I suspect I'm not the only person. What are, maybe uh some of the bigger issues that you see with what's the what's the regular feedback that you give to freelancers to kind of improve their profiles because again marketing is something that's so hard for for me to do so it's hard for the developers i i they have a really hard time Mm -hmm. i i think i think the best thing is is getting a good network and having personal recommendations that's how you build the trust fast for designers, I think Dribble and, and those types of uh, portfolio systems have really done a disservice to the industry of design. I think it's important. You have to have it. You have to have your Dribble. You have to have your Behance. But when, when a client is coming, um, the first thing that they're always looking for is a project that's near their project. Yeah. So when you're pursuing projects, literally, if you haven't done a medical website and you have a medical client... If your competitor, someone who's bidding on that project as well, has done a medical website, it's more likely that they're going right. to get it. Yeah. And so focus on people that are in line with what you've done and start to reach out. But you'll have the most success when you have experience in an industry. I think case studies are incredibly important so that we can actually see the thought process that goes through. And clients can see the, the, that it's not just a design, right. it's not just a, and it's not just a website, and it's not just the development, that there was thought and reasoning behind why these decisions were made and how you felt about them. So I think case studies can be incredibly important to build trust. And I think the, the most important is when you're talking to a client is to uh, to not focus on like the budget, to not focus on you know the answers that you necessarily need, but to focus on the problem and the solution that they have that you can provide for them and to build that trust and rapport before bringing a, the budget to them. And we used to call it the no proposal proposal, wow. where you know we would just get on the phone, we, we would do a phone call or two and kind of feel them out, but we wouldn't give them a rate until we fully understood the project. And that process, it wasn't just about fully understanding the process. It was about building their trust with, with them so that they were bringing us, they had invested so much time in getting us up to speed on the project that it would, it would be almost a disservice not to hire us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the more you understand about the project from the beginning, the more accurately you can quote too. (laughs) Totally. Yes. (laughs) That's great. So uh, that's, you know, I've always I've always told uh, fellow freelancers to find a niche, because when you do find a niche, let's say medical websites, you 
slowly gain domain knowledge of that industry. And then you can, again, you can build better projects and understand the problems more. So that's absolutely fantastic advice. Uh, So as we wind down our time here, I want to ask you my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Trade secrets. So I, I told you the no proposal proposal, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, is just to delay the, the proposal process and build their trust so that they're vested yeah. in you. I would say, hmm, help me out here. What kind of secret would, would you be looking for? I'm sure I've got something. Yeah, well, you know, there's a, we, we have gotten a lot of great advice in this episode. But one of my fa- um, the reason it's my favorite is because it's, uh, it's super open-ended. <laughs> So, so, well, so actually, you know, you said that you, you've started businesses before you came to crew, right? Yeah. So what's, uh, maybe give us a gem from that experience, you know, like you're starting a business today. What's something that you wish you knew when you started your first business? Sure. Doing the research. So I have started so many businesses in markets that were never going to go anywhere. Do jobs to be done, right? One of the best frameworks for figuring out if you're actually solving a problem so if you look up Bob Moesta or um, Clay Christensen, they have so much material on how to do these customer interviews that are that they basically are taking tactics from like FBI interrogation. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not about asking the customer, "Will you purchase this? Is this a good idea?" It's about knowing the root cause for why they would even consider purchasing your product. And there's there's some amazing case studies. And when you start to do that work, it's similar to sales. Because you're learning why, but you can stop wasting your time trying things out and building and all ideas are good when, when they're, they're in the very beginning, right? But when we bring them to market, they, they start to refine themselves. You can do that refinement before you ever start building. So I love the jobs to be done framework. Ryan Singer from Basecamp is also a, a huge believer in it and that he's kind of a product guru, if you will. And so... I would say do more talking and research and, and a little bit less building at the very beginning. Because when you, when, you, when you can actually solve a problem, you do get the results like Unsplash, where it seems like a random occurrence that it just blew up and kept growing. But it solved, it hit a root, it, it, it hit a, a need in the industry. And solving that problem is what gave it that opportunity. Yeah, that's that's great. So, I mean, you're, you're uh, one of my favorite books. I talk about it all the time on the show. Start with why. It sounds like mm, you're yep. you're starting with why, right? You're not just going off yep. and building a thing because you think it needs to be built. And uh, I think the other takeaway there is that if you if you ask ten people, do you think this is a good idea? Nine of them will probably say <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they don't have and, to put any money towards it. <laughs> and then if you ask them, would you pay for it? Five out of ten would say yes. Right. And then if you ask them for the money, yeah, everyone would probably walk away. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, you mentioned a lot of great resources. They'll all be in the show notes for anybody listening. Cool. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I appreciate the time here. Yeah, today. absolutely. It was a great time. Thank you to everybody out there listening. Thanks to our sponsors. And until next time, get out there and build something. And that's a wrap on season two. I want to thank everybody out there for the great support that you've given me over the last few months. This podcast has bloomed into something that uh, I didn't think possible, especially within the first few months. So once again, thank you so much uh, to all the listeners out there. Thank you to everybody who has sponsored the show uh, over the first two seasons. 
and the guests. Thank you all for taking the time out of your busy schedules to come talk to me about something that you've built. We're going to take a couple of weeks hiatus. The show's going to come back on June 13th, and it's going to be better than ever. Uh, There's going to be uh, some new audio, uh, a couple of new segments, and uh, lots more sponsors and information and things like that. Uh, I also want to get to know you better. So uh, I'm still recording season three, and I want to give you the things that you want to listen to as the listeners. So if you haven't yet, please go over to buildpodcast.net slash survey and take the survey there it'll only take you a few minutes and virtually every question there is optional so only answer what you are most comfortable with again that is buildpodcast.net slash survey and one more ask help people find this in apple podcasts right i think that's what they renamed itunes to uh Help people find this in Apple Podcasts by rating and reviewing it. It's the best way to help people discover us. Uh, So again, thank you so much, everybody out there for listening, for sponsoring, for being on the show. Uh, And until next season, get out there and build something.